From the world-famous city of New Orleans, it's the Black and Blue Report. Starring Daniel Sellerson. D-Dub in the Black and Blue Orchestra. Yeah. And the Benchwarmers. Today's special guests include the New Orleans Saints, the New Orleans Pelicans, and whoever else we could get to stop by. Online and worldwide, it's the Black and Blue Report. Live, sort of, from Studio B, here's Daniel Salerson. Hello, happy Monday, and happy St. Patrick's Day to all those celebrating, and for those who pretend to be Irish for a day, just to partake in the festivities. I'm Daniel Salerson, filling in for Sean Kelly. Hey, I'm not judging those who want to partake in St. Patty's Day festivities. I was one of those taking in the Irish Channel Parade on Saturday. I caught a cabbage, lots of other stuff, and uh, had a good time. And then also had a great time broadcasting the Pelicans versus Celtics yesterday afternoon. It was a great game at the Smoothie King Center, and if you missed it, whew, you missed a great one. The Pelicans beat Boston in overtime, 121-120. to Anthony Davis seems to be getting a new career high every night now, and he did it again last night. Career high, 40 points. A new career high in rebounds, 21 and he also added three blocks to become just the eighth player in NBA history to put up those numbers in a game. He also scored 28-plus points for the sixth straight game, breaking Glenn Rice's franchise record of five, and he was the first player since 2010 to put up 40 points and 20 rebounds in one game. I can go on for hours about the records he broke last night, and if he isn't named Western Conference Player of the Week today, I'm, I'm not going to be a happy camper. But we do have a good show for you today. We'll recap last night's thrilling win against the Celtics. John DeShazer will call in to talk about the launch of the new series on NewOrleansSaints.com called Where Are They Now? John's first piece focuses on John Gilliam. And if you don't know who that is, don't worry. JD will fill you in later on in the show. And he'll also talk about the new deal that the Saints have reached with Zach Streif. It is a five-year deal. So that's a good start to the Monday for Saints fans. So we'll talk to John about that. And we'll also turn our attention to college baseball. LSU head coach Paul Maneri will talk about his team's 17-4 start and what lies ahead for the LSU Tigers. But first, let's talk about what happened last night at the Smoothie King Center. Actually, how about this? First, I'll let the highlights do the talking. I'll start out with AD's alley-oop dunk at the end of the third quarter, and I'll let the highlights take over the rest. 84-82 Boston, nine seconds left in the quarter. Here's New Orleans for a last look. Rivers, double team, throws to Withy, top of the arc. Three, two, lob to the rim, Withy! Alley-oop dunk to Davis with a second and a half left. Rondo from half court at the horn, way off. We're tied, going to the fourth thanks to a scoring big pass from Jeff Withy to Anthony Davis on the lob. Rondo turns. From the right wing, down the lane, missed the runner, rebound with a strong one in front of Selinger. Out to Evans, Evans to the rack, finger roll good. With a left, a right hand, Evans has a few words for the Boston bench, there must have been some chirping going on. It's 102-89 and Evans has 21. Bradley goes to Humphreys, top of the arc. To his left, angle left that is, for Rajon Rondo. Round of Humphreys screen, screen and roll. Hits Humphreys, jump shot, block left, got it. It's a one-point game. It's 106-105. A lot of Celtics fans here tonight, and they're making some noise. Gordon between the rings. Dribbles through the left elbow to Davis. Jump shot in the circle. Bang! Davis got it. 38 for Davis. That's all you got. Isn't that pretty simple? Isn't that pretty simple? Get him the basketball and watch him work. 
The throw is for Evans at the left side of the key. In the circle. Jumper for the win. Got it. Anthony Davis with 1.1 left. How you like me now. 112, 110, 40 for Davis. The first Pelican since David West to go for 40 may have just given the Pelicans the win here over Boston. Rondo looking, looking, timeline right side. 1.4 to go, throws it into Humphrey. Surge shoots, off balance, and he hit to beat the buzzer with a maybe a foot on the three-point line in front of the Pelicans bench. If it counts, the Celtics have tied the game. Evans down the lane, they can't stop him. Lays it up and in, Evans having his way. Meanwhile, while Davis has gone for 40 and 20, Tyreek Evans has scored 26, and Boston calls a 20-second timeout. Nice job by Sean Kelly and John DeShazer last night on the call. The Pelicans shot 50% from the field last night and 24 of 28 from the foul line. Anthony Davis wasn't the only Pelican in double figures. Tyreek Evans fell one point short of his season high with 26, and after the game caught up, with Sean and John. Pelicans are winners, and Tyreek Evans, who was just one shy of his season high, joins his courtside after the Pels beat the Boston Celtics 121 to 120. Well, Tyreek, where do you want to start on this one? Man, uh, wild game. I mean, uh, we're going up and down. You know, we talked about trying to play better defense and stop uh, going up and down with teams, but I mean, we got to give Boston credit. They're a good team. They, they run their sets hard. They got Rondo back to them, but. Uh, we just finished the game out strong. I mean, AD was amazing. Uh, I think, you know, one of the best games he had so far since I've been here. You know, but we're just happy we finished the game out strong. Tyreek, it's one of the best games in NBA history. 41, 40 points, 21 rebounds, and three blocks. Uh, and the shot he made there <laughs> near the end of regulation, uh, nobody, nobody panicked on a team that is not real high on experience, wouldn't you say? Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, man, he's playing amazing basketball, man. Uh, Every night, you know, he's bringing it, you know, uh, you know, I got to give him credit. You know, he's just improved. You know, he's becoming a leader. You know, it, it seems like it's too growing too fast for me, but, you know, he's doing it. You know, I'm happy for him. You know, and, uh, hopefully we can finish the season strong. You know, we've, we've been playing with a good league. All right, so you guys gave up 64 in the first half. That wasn't a good number, but, boy, did you guys lock it down there in the third and early fourth. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, we just wanted to just try to, you know, uh, you know lock on on defense. You know, um, Jeff Green, you know, who came out hot. You know, um, first half, we kind of cooled him down. Second half, he got going a little bit. But, you know, um, it's tough playing against him. And they run their sets hard, but we did a good job of finishing the game. Feel good to get back on track now. Here's me uh, get ready to wrap up the homestand. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, we got to finish it out strong. Uh, go on the road and try to get, it, get a win and uh, come back and finish our, uh, finish our home court. Congratulations, Tyreek. As always, we appreciate your time and nice win tonight. Thanks. Appreciate it. Eric Gordon also added 19 points, and Brian Roberts had 11 and the Pelicans remained undefeated in overtime games as they took down the Celtics 121-120. to When we come back, I'll continue to recap last night's game, and you'll hear from head coach Monty Williams and the man of the hour, Anthony Davis. That's all yours in one minute. SiriusXM subscribers now have a place to talk NBA 24-7. SiriusXM NBA Radio. To the lane, lays it up, he lays it in! With experts like Steve Kerr, Kenny Smith, Lionel Holland, Sam Mitchell, Jerry Stackhouse, and many more. Plus, guest appearances by NBA players, coaches, and GMs. Get closer to this. LeBron to the rim with a two-hand jam. And 
this. Direct. Page and fires the Rainbow 18 foot jumper is a thing of beauty. By listening to Sirius XM NBA Radio. Channel 217 and the Sirius XM app. There's no better time to join your Pelicans as we take flight. All-star Anthony Davis is taking his team to the next level. And the Pelicans are soaring to new heights. 2014-15 season tickets are on sale now and start at less than $300 with lower bowl options as low as $37 per game. Season ticket benefits include the best seat locations, discounts on concessions, and much more. Take flight with the Pelicans. For more info, call 525-HOOP or visit pelicans.com today. Punt, pass, kick, and dunk. Fly to the rim. Alley-oop dunk. Anthony Davis. This is the Black and Blue Report. Well, I'm still trying to recover from last night's game. Unfortunately, the Pelicans let go of a 13-point lead in the fourth quarter, and the Celtics forced overtime with a Chris Humphrey shot, but the Pelicans survived in overtime to improve the 16-10 against the Eastern Conference this season by taking down Boston 121-121. To 120. After the game, Sean Kelly and the rest of the media caught up with head coach Monty Williams. Thoughts on what Anthony Davis did tonight? Well, I, I've talked about his ability to uh, have games like this uh, before. I, I think he can do this um, like 10, 15 times a year just because he is so gifted and he does things for the right reason. Um, obviously, he has great athletic ability and he some of that stuff is just him. You know, we try to put him in a position where he can be a dominant player, but when you go for those kinds of numbers, that's a, that's a lot of God-given talent. And, um, you know, at the end, he could have dunked the ball, but he has enough savvy to know that we just got to run the clock out. It's not about stats. Everything he does is about the team and trying to help us win. Did it cross your mind at any point that you had to get him a, even just a breath or two there in the I second half? It, like the first, um, between the 10-minute mark and the seven-minute mark of the fourth quarter, that was the time where I was thinking of getting him out and trying to save his legs. And he came to the timeout uh, bench and looked at me, and he was like, I'm good. Just let me go. So at that point, um, the game is tight at seven-minute mark. You just don't want to take him out and ruin the rhythm of the game. The game was like a roller coaster ride. Are you yeah. pleased with how it all came to be? I, you know, looking at the stat sheet, without looking at the film, I'm pleased with the third quarter. Uh, second quarter defensively was abysmal for us, but the third quarter we had a 20-point quarter, and that, that got us back into the game, obviously. And then in overtime, uh, we did enough to squeak out a one-point win. So I have to look at the film to make a better assessment of the game. But I, I am proud of our guys from this respect. We had a a really tough film session yesterday uh, and I, I had to charge up a few guys and they took it the right way and each one of those guys came out and gave us a, a great game today. The thing about Anthony, <clears throat> he looks like he's not trying that hard but he's always in the right position. He just seems to be where he needs to be when he's Guys who have high IQ usually end up in the right spot so I would I would say that a lot of his rebounds and his ability to get in the right spot comes from growing. Uh, he's just 21, so once he figures out how to play against double teams and things of that nature, I think you're going to see the assist go up. But um, I just think his IQ is growing. He spends a lot of time in film uh, with the coaches, and obviously he's 
got a lot of God-given ability. Was the plan that Jeff Gittes had to make climb on his back like that to get some numbers close to what he achieved today? Well, when he made the shot to go up, um, <clears throat> my thing is we have to put him in positions where he can make those shots and understand how it feels. And he doesn't back away from it. And as far as going to him, I'm not thinking that way. I know he's got a nice game going um, just from talking to the coaches, but I'm always just trying to get the win. So you're never really thinking about go to him. But when he, when he has a special night like this, you, you kind of lean that way. When he asked you how can he improve, you said staying focused. That play he made at the end of the game where he didn't go for the dunk and ran the clock out, was that what you kind of had? That's the kind of play that um, a younger guy would probably go ahead and dunk the ball just to get two more points, but we don't need that. We don't need to stop the clock. We just got to dribble it out. Um, The other side of it was his weak side defense was not great in the first half, and we talked about it at halftime. The second half, you saw him come over and get those blocks or get the rebound because he was a bit more locked in on the weak side. That's the focus we're talking about. And then understanding his matchup, uh, he'll tell you that the shot that Selinger got for a three, he'll be mad at himself because he helped. He and Jeff both went to the paint. Rondo found Selinger. So he'll, he'll kick himself for that. But those are the areas where I feel like if he, when he grows in that area, he's going to be a complete uh, player. And, of course, the man who put up the first 40-point, 20-rebound game in franchise history, Anthony Davis, spoke with our John the Shazer and the assembled media following the Pelicans' win. Hey, AD, we know you like to talk team, but historic game individually for you, only maybe eight guys in NBA history, 40 points, 20-plus rebounds, and three blocks in a game. Just talk about your individual game. Um, you know, the teammate did a great job not giving me the ball. Coach joined our plays for me. Um, you know, just trying to be aggressive, you know, uh, you know, lost two in a row, you know, just try to come out aggressive, you know, coach talks us about defense, you know, so I want every, you know, make sure they get one shot, you know, don't get a lot of good looks at the rim, you know, so uh, you know, I was just trying to be aggressive the whole game, you know, even, um, even finding my teammates, you know, I know guys on, you know, a couple of plays they call ISO when they knew it was ISO for me and. No, I just try to read the right play. Look, this is not a career game for you. Are you kind of in that zone that, that the guys talk about? I'm just trying to stay locked in. You know, uh, you know every every game coach you know, talks about being great. You know, Amo tells him to be great every game. and um, I just try to go out there and do the things possible to win. You know, uh, you know, when we get the win, that's all that matters to me. You know, um, that's for you guys to decide, you know, whether I'm in that category. Were you surprised they didn't find you at the end? No, I wasn't trying to get fouled. Um, I kind of, you know, tried to lure Jared Bayless over there, you know, and pass it to, to Amo, you know, to get the clock running. You know, we was only up one. Um, you know, two free throws be three. You know, then hit a three going to another overtime. So trying to use that basketball IQ, you know, where we get, you know, the clock uh, moving, you know, without them being able to foul. Immediately after that play, you looked at Monty and kind of tapped your head. Letting them know, you know, you knew the right play. Yeah, you know, yeah. Um, let them know I got got a little bit of basketball IQ. You know, not much. You know, just a little bit. You know, uh, you know, and you know, Alex was trying to tell me like, uh, I thought you were gonna go dunking. I'm like, nah, man. I know a little bit, man. So, uh, you know, I, I just knew. You no, know, actually, I just wanted the game to be over with. You know, I didn't want to give him a chance to get another look off. You know, so uh, even if we, they would have fouled. Well, I would have made the, the basket. You know, they would have uh, probably three, four seconds to try to make a shot. Monty said he thought about 
possibly giving you some rest in the fourth quarter, but you, you told him no. Yeah. Is there any way you were coming out of that no. game? No. No way. Uh, no, usually try to let me, you know, play the whole third, come out, you know, get like two or three minutes rest and get back in. Looked at him told him no. Like, I wasn't trying to lose three in a row. You know, I wasn't losing that game. You know, and um, <clears throat> he honored it. You know, he said, all right, I'm going to let you go. So, um, you know, that's just the you know the chemistry that we have. You know, he trusts me that if I'm going to stay on the floor, you know, without being rested, that I'm going to still be able to perform. What does it mean to you that he the first you and, and trust trust what you, you're feeling about yourself? I, I said, what does it mean to you that he's the, you know, the first you? Yeah, um, that means a lot, you know. Um, you know, him being a coach and me being a player, you know, you got to have that relationship, you know, and me being able to tell him, you know, I want to stay in there. You know, he, he honors it. And then, you know, him telling me, I'm going to get you a break, come get right back in. You know, I got to honor it, you know. So um, I believe everything that, you know, he's doing, you know, and, um, you know, we just got that trust, you know, where we can come to each other, you know, things like that. You know, talk about your growth, I guess, as a go-to player for this team. I mean, you guys tried to run a play for you down the stretch against Denver. Um, they end up deflecting it. Anthony Morrow ends up with the shot. This time you end up getting that isolation play. Yeah, uh, trying to, you know, do a better job of, you know, making me comfortable down the stretch. You know, whether it goes in or not, you know, you can't be scared to take them shots, you know. And, um, you know, I wasn't going to be scared against Denver. I wasn't scared tonight. So, um, you know, just try to get comfortable in them situations. You know, we're gonna, we know we're going to have a lot of situations like that. Did you think you had ended it with that shot? And what was your thought? What was your mindset when Chris Humphreys hit it? Yeah, um, you know, it was a big shot. I saw Rondo coming over, you know, but um, still just try to, you know, make the shot. You know, made it 1.2 left. Um, you said all we needed was a stop, you know, and um, they threw it to him, and he told me. He said, I mean, it was going off, but, you know, you so you know, you know, so long, you know, and you contested, contested so high, you know, that I had to shoot it higher, you know, and so that's how I was able to go win, you know, but you can't control that, you know. Um, over time, five more minutes, let's try to get stops and win. What do you think was the key to even in overtime and down the stretch in regulation, the guys held on and, and did We got stops. Panic. You know, that third quarter, I think they had a 39-point quarter. The second quarter had a 39-point quarter, something like that, you know, and we played no defense. So, um, played defense, you know, in that fourth quarter and in overtime, you know, and got the stop that we needed. Um, you know, granted they missed open looks. You know, Sully missed a wide open three. Um, you know, we just, we just came up uh, with the rebounds and um, made free throws. Okay, so we'll put a bow on that thrilling victory for the Pelicans, and now it's time to get ready for another Eastern Conference foe. The Toronto Raptors invade the Smoothie King Center on Wednesday at 7 p.m., and tickets are still available by calling 504-525-HOOP or visiting pelicans.com. Okay, let's talk some Saints. Coming up next, John DeShazer will introduce a new series on NewOrleansSaints.com and talk about the big Saints news of the day with the signing of Zach Street. Every year, people whose statistics say would die from a serious health problem come to Auctioner and live. To us, nothing proves quality more than saving a life no one else could. In fact, on average, statistics say patients who come here are more likely to survive than at other hospitals in the state. Incredible outcomes aren't just happening at one hospital either. Seven of the top hospitals in the state for survival rates are Auctioner. We are also Louisiana's only hospital ranked by U.S. News & World Report in eight different specialties and number one in the country by care checks for liver transplant. It's no wonder people from all over the world come here. A higher quality of care one more reason to choose Auctioner. And with hospitals and health centers all over the region, connecting is as easy as finding the Auctioner name. 
Learn more about why quality matters at auctionerquality.org. Auctioner, healthcare with peace of mind. Pelicans.com and NewOrleansSaints.com, your first stop when following your teams. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. Joining us now via the telephone is John DeShazer, of course, senior writer for NewOrleansSaints.com and the radio analyst for the New Orleans Pelicans, J.D., good morning. Hey, what's going on, Daniel? Nothing much. Uh, obviously, you were a part of the thrilling victory for the Pelicans last night. Before I get into Saints stuff, Anthony Davis, 40 points, 21 rebounds. I mean, I'm sure you had a, you and Sean had a fun time calling his game last night. Woo. Yeah, it's, you know, we, we keep wondering where his, his ceiling is and where he's going to top out, and you just don't know he's, you know, 21 years old, and you hear Coach Monty Williams say, you know, he, he thinks he can give a 40-20 game, you know, 10 or 15 times per season. And and that, you know, as, as outlandish as that might sound, it, not, it really isn't that outlandish when you apply it to, to AD. I mean, I, I don't think I've ever seen a, a 40-20 game in person. In fact, only eight players have done so in NBA history. That tells you the kind of company he's keeping. Uh, first time in franchise history somebody has done that. And and you know extend you know set the, a team record by scoring you know 28 plus points in six consecutive games. You know he continues to do things to step up and 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 put his name in the team rest record books and and you know it's all good. Every time he does something, it's something that's historic. Now we can go on for days talking about Anthony Davis, but the real reason we're having you on is to promote a new series that you're doing with NewOrleansSaints.com. It's called Where Are They Now? J.D., could just talk a little bit about it. If you're listening to the show after noon, it's actually available to you right now on NewOrleansSaints.com. Um, just talk to us a little bit about this uh, Where Are They Now? series. Well, periodically we're just going to take a look at some, uh, some former Saints and their, uh, and their stations in the, franchise, in the history of the franchise and and you know, just kind of recount some of the things that they've they've been able to do with the team. Uh, the first installment is going to be, you know, John Gilliam, a guy who played on the inaugural team, in 1967, and and uh, hopefully it'll be something fun for the fans to be able to look back at. I know it was uh, fun for me to catch up with Mr. Gilliam and and speak to him for a good bit about, you know, what he has done, what he did do with the Saints, and what he has done since. Now, is it just an article that you've written, or do you, will there be some video up there for uh, uh, fans to watch as well? Well, yeah, there'll be a, a video and, and also a little photo gallery of Mr. Gilliam. And, and, and for those who don't recall, you know, he, again, he played on the inaugural team, but, you know, he was a rookie receiver, a second-round draft choice in 1967 from uh, from uh, South Carolina State University. And uh, and his, his claim to fame in Saints history is he took the opening kickoff in the opening game for the Saints and ran it back for a touchdown, uh, 94 yards, and and that could be one of those things that I don't know if it's done before if if it's been done before a rookie in the inaugural game for an expansion franchise to run a kickoff back for a touchdown. I don't think it's been done since, and uh, it's going to be one of those marks that's going to be difficult to duplicate for anyone. I mean, first you got to get an expansion team, then it's got to be a rookie, then you got to win the opening toss, then you've got to run it back. All those things have to fall in place. So very interesting thing that happened in his life and, and certainly one of the things that stands out. And in fact, in his football career, he's had some great, great uh, times. In fact, uh, he moved on, played for, you know, later for the Minnesota Vikings in his career, made four uh, Pro Bowls for the Vikings, played in two Super Bowls with the Vikings and says, you know, still that kickoff was the high point of his career. 
Very, very cool stuff. Is that going to happen every Monday, or is it going to be periodically? When can fans uh, expect uh, more of these Where Are They Now series? Well, it's going to be periodically, and, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, maybe, you know, once a month or so. I'm not exactly sure how how often they're going to run, but, you know, we'll certainly give fans a head up on how uh, on when they'll be running. They'll know either, you know, via the black and blue, as well as some uh, some kickers on Twitter from us and those kinds of things. So they'll, they'll get a pretty good lead time on, on when those stories are going to run. Awesome. Very excited to check that out. Now, while I have you on, the Saints made an announcement this morning. They signed Zach Streif to a five-year deal. That was something that was very important for the Saints team. So uh, how big is it for uh, the Saints with the signing of Zach Streif today, J.D.? Well, I think it's pretty big for the team and pretty big for Zach. I mean, for the team, obviously, you solidify your right tackle position. I think Zach Streif, you know, may have, you know, was one of the guys that, that played pretty good football on that offensive line last season. Obviously, a guy who quarterback Drew, Drew Brees feels comfortable with and as much, obviously, a guy that the organization feels comfortable with. Uh, played at Northwestern State, uh, Louisiana, and Louisiana, and uh, a guy who's, you know, kind of a Louisiana guy, and I'm sure, you know, didn't necessarily want to go anywhere and heard some, you know, some, some talk that he had had some overtures from the Dolphins and, you know, yet he ends up back with the Saints. I think the Saints was his first preference where he wanted to be. And so they certainly welcome him back into the fold. And, uh, you know, just good to have him back. You know, a great guy who, you know, we all know if you've ever, ever interviewed Zach Street, what a great interview he is, a guy you can always go to, a guy who will always give you a great and honest and clear assessment of the situation so good for him and good for the franchise and, and you know now drew Brees, you know can feel pretty comfortable knowing that he's got his right tackle back now we saw a flurry of free agent signings last week as free agents started do you expect to see i'm guessing it's going to calm down a little bit but do you still expect to see some more signings coming up this week well i wouldn't be surprised i mean you know because you know for some reason you know people believe that being pressed against a salary cap means that the team can't do anything because of the salary cap and and Saints general manager Mickey Loomis, and well as well as his, his top assistant of Kai Harley, have shown time and again the last couple of seasons that these guys can maneuver the money around and they can make the Saints viable in free agency. So I don't know if you're going to see necessarily see a, a huge signing a la Jarris Bird, and most of those guys are off the market anyway right now. But certainly some 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 value signings can be in the offing for the Saints because there are still some some situations and some areas where they want to address. You know, and, and that will you know allow them to go into to the draft. And what teams want to do when they go into the draft is have all their needs taken care of, and that way you're allowed to take the best available player who's on the board, and that's the situation you want to get to. You don't want to have to go in drafting for a need. You want to have all your needs settled and be able to draft a guy who can just come in who's the best guy at his position, and that's where the Saints are trying to get to. Well, they have a good start today by signing Zach Streif, a five-year deal with the New Orleans Saints. That's John the Shades, your senior writer for NewOrleansSaints.com. Don't forget to check out the Where Are They Now, which is now available on NewOrleansSaints.com. John Gilliam up first. Uh, don't forget to watch and uh, look at that on the website. J.D., thank you very much. Rest up, and we'll talk to you Wednesday uh, for Pelicans Raptors. All right, and hopefully uh, we'll see AD go off of 42, 42 and, and 25 this time, maybe. So. It won't we'll surprise see. me. It seems like he keeps setting his new career high every <laughs> night. He goes from 36 to 38 to 40, so next game is 42. Yeah, he's uh, he's going in incremental stages, but we'd like to see it. It's good to see a guy. You know, it's always good to, interesting to see a guy on the ground floor. You know, we had the, the pleasure and privilege of seeing, you know, Chris Paul from the ground floor. 
the same way. And now we're seeing Anthony Davis from the ground floor. And when you see these guys and you see the growth stages that they go through, you know, it's always great to be able to say, you know what, I saw him, you know, I saw him back when. Absolutely. John, great stuff. Thank you. Talk to you Wednesday. And uh, when we come back, we'll turn our attention to college baseball. We'll hear from LSU head coach Paul Maneri. You're listening to the Black and Blue Report. New Orleans Pelican season ticket holders are with the team at the perfect time. Our season ticket holders continue to enjoy benefits that include the best seat locations, discounts on concessions and merchandise, access to the Zataran season ticket holder pregame party, and much more. You'll want to be with us as we take this team to the next level. Plus, most season ticket holders renewing their seats by March 31st will lock in their current ticket pricing. Call 525-HOOP or visit pelicans.com to renew your seats today. As one Entergy customer to another, I have a tip for you. Download the free Entergy app. If my power goes out, I check the app. The outage maps let me know what's happening and when to expect my lights back on. It also makes it easy to pay my bill and manage my account, all right from my smartphone. Download the app today or visit EntergyApp.com for more information. Giving me control in the palm of my hand? That's the power of people. Entergy. Well, our next guest is in his eighth season as the baseball coach at LSU and a resume that includes three College World Series appearances, one national championship with LSU. He is Paul Maneri. Paul, good morning. Thanks for coming on the show today. Good morning. It's good to be with you. Thank you. Now, uh, unfortunately, the Tigers lost two of three this weekend in Nashville to a very tough Vanderbilt team who's ranked in the top ten. I know you all had to sneak in two games on Saturday due to weather, but uh, Paul, uh, what did you learn about your team from uh, this weekend's game in Vanderbilt? Well, first of all, we had a tremendous victory on Friday night in the first game, and quite frankly, Daniel, that's the one I'm going to emphasize in my mm-hmm. mind. Sure. You know, it was it was a great matchup between Aaron Nola and Tyler Beatty, two boys that will be certainly two of the top ten picks in the draft in June, and it was an amazing ball game. We were down one to nothing. We had a four-run a four-run rally in the uh, eighth inning. We held on in the ninth and uh, had a tremendous victory against an outstanding club. We had to move the games from Sunday to the game from Sunday to make a doubleheader on Saturday, as you mentioned, and we just ran into a juggernaut of a pitching staff yesterday. Quite frankly, they uh, they just threw arm after arm after arm against us, and they played tremendous defense. Every time we hit a ball hard, it seemed like one of their infielders made a diving play on us, and so it really was just kind of suffocating. On the flip side, we started two uh, pitchers that had their first SEC start in a pretty tough environment. And they got off the bad starts and got us in a hole right away, and it was just too much for us to climb out of. But all in all, you know, they, they, you know, it was good to get the SEC schedule started. We we went one and two. Everybody in the league either went two and one or one and two. So we're really only one game out of first place. I feel like we we've, we've got a long way to go, and I, I like our team. Now you mentioned Aaron Nola with the great uh, pitching uh, on Friday. Now, according to my stats, he has an ERA under one right now, pitching lights out so far for you guys. What is it about Aaron that uh, makes him so dominant right now? Well, he's just one of the greatest pitchers I've ever coached. When you combine his stuff with his command, I mean, he can pinpoint every one of his pitches. Uh, They're all plus pitches, and he's got a great competitive zeal about him. Uh, He's got tremendous poise under pressure. Uh, no matter how bad the situation may present itself, he always is in control and he pitches his way out of jams. And that's what the great ones do. And uh, 
I'll tell you what, he's, uh, he's, he's been a, a great pitcher here at LSU. He's going to be a tremendous major leaguer for a lot of years, and it's been a blessing to have him on our staff. Now, uh, he and the team having a nice start to the season. You guys are 17-4 and four to start off the season. You all are playing well at home. What have you liked about this team so far in the early part of the season? Well, uh, you know, Daniel, we've, we've had a pretty balanced team. Uh, you know, in our sport now, college baseball, it's kind of what we refer to as the dead bat era. <laughs> They've changed, made some changes to the rules of our game, and so pitching and defense dominate now. I really like our defense behind our pitching, uh, but we have to figure out a, how to win games without Nola on the mound because he only gets to pitch 14 of the 56. Right. And we need to do a better job than we did uh, this this past uh, Saturday double excuse me, doubleheader, but we've pitched well up until this point, so I'm not going to knee-jerk react and start to panic and think that we're not good enough on the mound after Noel. I think we are. We've got a great pitching coach in Allen Dunn. He knows how to get the best out of those kids, and uh, I, I think that we're going to be all right. Offensively, I think we're just a very scrappy team. We don't have the power that we've had in the past. Uh, we graduated Mason Katz last year who had 16 home runs. Uh, we, we may not hit 30 or 40 home runs as a team this year. Uh, so we've got to be a, a very clutch hitting team. We've got to run the base as well. And, and I think we're on our way to doing that. So far this year, again, with just this past Saturday being the one aberration, we've played well. We've, we've swung the bats well. We've played good defense. We've pitched well. Our bullpen has become pretty solid. So I think we're going to make a good run at it this year. Now, you mentioned the SEC, probably one of the best baseball conferences in the nation. Um, eight teams in the top 30 going into last week's rankings, and you also talk about a couple other teams that are right outside of there receiving votes. Is the SEC the toughest conference to play in, in your opinion, this season? Oh, I think so. Year in and year out from top to bottom. Uh, you have a 30-game schedule, 10 three-game series, and if you don't bring your A game on a given day or any game, you, you're going to get beat. It's a very unforgiving conference. That, that's why I call it the major leagues of college baseball. You know, I look at Vanderbilt's pitching staff they threw against us this weekend. They, clearly, five or six of the eight arms they pitched against us are going to pitch in the major league. I mean, I look up at the pitch speed on the scoreboard, and every pitcher threw 94 to 99 miles an hour. Uh, you know, those are staffs that some big league organizations would love to have. And so, uh, you know, you face this in the, in the league constantly, whether it be pitchers or hitters. There's going to be six or seven first-round draft choices out of the SEC. There's going to be several big leaguers come out of the SEC. And so when you compete in this league, you know each and every day you're facing the best players, the best coaches, the nicest facilities. I don't think there's another league that compares to it. Now, obviously national champions come from other leagues, especially on the West Coast. They have a style of play out there that really is, is good for the new ballpark in Omaha. But from top to bottom, I just don't think he can beat the SEC. We're talking with LSU head baseball coach Paul Maneri. And Paul, like he said, uh, the toughest conference in the nation. It seems like you're playing a top 30 team almost every series. Do you think this helps your team in the long run get ready for those tough games come tournament time? I mean, you're facing, like you said, almost a lot of major league pros uh, almost every series. Well, there's no doubt about it. I think that's why you see our team succeed in the postseason so frequently is because they're just so tested, battle-tested during the course of the year. And if you can succeed in the SEC, then you can compete for the SEC, I mean, for the national championship, excuse me. And that's why you, you see uh, virtually every year an SEC team in the finals in Omaha. Now, last year, 
uh, Mississippi State didn't win, and I think the year before South Carolina didn't win. But before that, South Carolina had won two in a row. We'd won the one before that. Uh, you know, Georgia's been in the finals. You know, so I think it's been about seven or eight straight years where a fi- uh, at least one of the two teams in the final round has been an SEC team. That's LSU head baseball coach Paul Maneri. The Tigers are back in action Wednesday night at Alex Box Stadium against South Alabama, then host their first SEC team of the season this weekend, taking on the Georgia Bulldogs. Paul, best of luck the rest of the way, and hopefully we're talking some postseason baseball with you later on in the season. That'd be great. Be happy to be with you anytime. Thanks, Paul. I'll wrap things up on this Monday edition of the Black and Blue Report. Hey there. What you having? Um, what kind of specials do you have today? Well, tonight we're doing $2 benzene and tonics, $4 lemon arsenics, and $5 beryllium bombs. Wait, what? Those don't sound like drinks. They sound like types of poison. Well, it's a fine line. Besides, this is a smoky bar. What do you think we're all breathing in right now? Uh, I don't know. Nicotine? Listen, I'm gonna hook you up. You're not really living until you've had a formaldehyde martini. Yeah, I'm going home. Secondhand smoke does more than just stink. It costs Louisiana thousands of lives and contains dozens of harmful chemicals that lead to things like emphysema, heart disease, and lung cancer. Learn what's being done to protect all Louisianans in bars and gaming facilities at letsbetotallyclear.org. Want to listen to the Black and Blue Report on your phone? Download the Saints and Pelicans app today. Well, I think that was a good start to the week. We talked a lot of Pelicans basketball. We had some good news on the Saints side with the signing of Zach Streif, and we got to talk some college baseball with LSU head coach Paul Maneri. I'm sure everyone is starting to fill out their March Madness bracket. Playing games get started tomorrow, and in my opinion, it's the most wonderful time of the year. And if anyone is listening right now that is starting to fill out their bracket, and fills out a perfect bracket to win that billion dollars, don't forget about me. Come on, you know the rule. If you earn a billion, you give a million. So come on, be a friend. You know who I am. I'll give you a shout-out on the Black and Blue Report. Come on, you can't beat that. So again, I uh, hope everyone does a good job filling out their bracket. Of course, knowing me, I'll be out by Thursday or Friday. Well, I hope everyone has a safe and happy St. Patrick's Day. Go drink some green beer, responsibly, of course, and go eat some corned beef and cabbage as well. Spread the word about the show by following us on Twitter at Black Blue Report, or you can follow me at D. Salerson. Sean Kelly will be back in the hosting chair tomorrow, and we'll get you set for another week of Pelicans basketball. And hey, who knows? Maybe we'll help you fill out your bracket. So uh, if we give you any bracket advice, maybe you should do the opposite, and then maybe you have a chance of winning that billion dollars. Well, that'll do it for the Monday edition of the Black and Blue Report. Enjoy this manic Monday, and we'll talk to you all tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Black and Blue Report. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report. If all goes well, we'll be back tomorrow. Tune in each weekday at 12 p.m. or at your convenience exclusively online at NewOrleansSaints.com and Pelicans.com. Follow your teams direct from the source, the Black and Blue Report.